Welcome to Trauma to Triumph podcast show. This is the first episode, the first official episode for the podcast. So I'm excited. This is so fun for me. This week, I am going to share the concept of attachment styles. I did an Instagram live a, a week or two ago on this topic, and I think I explained it really, really well. And instead of me recording a whole episode and that 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 um, particular live was about 45 minutes so rather than go into and record a whole episode what I'm doing is I'm stripping the audio from that video and giving it to you guys here on the podcast so I'm going to edit it as best as I can if there was any spots where I was talking to the audience um, so that way you can understand like why who is she talking to why is she saying certain things it's I'm taking the audio from the Instagram live and putting it here on the show all right Um, I just felt like I explained it well and it covered all four attachment styles and I I do want to preface this by explaining the reason I, like you wouldn't think, I think, well, a lot of people have told me, why do you talk about attachment styles when we're talking about healing trauma? Because, you know, trauma is different about, different than like how you are in relationships, but they are very, very um, involved and inform each other because if you have unhealed trauma or don't have unhealed trauma, um, it cre- it will influence how you are in a relationship. Not only that, one of, there's two ways that you can, be traumatized or have trauma in your nervous system. One is experiencing a stressful event or the disconnection of attachment from your caregivers. And the the disconnection of attachment from your caregivers creates your attachment style. So your attachment style is actually really um, directly related to your trauma. It creates, it creates a trauma in your nervous system. So this is why we talk about it. And it's one of the things that I help my clients heal when working with me one-on-one in my coaching program, Trauma to Triumph. So let's get into it. Here is the audio to the attachment styles. And if you guys have any questions, definitely reach out to me on the show notes of the podcast, or you can hit me up in the DMs on Instagram at Angleton. There should be a link to that here in the show notes as well. And let's see what else, what else? I think that's it. So this is a good uh, episode where you want to take notes. And I think it's a good episode that will give you a lot of insight into how you are and why you are this way in relationships. So enjoy the episode, guys. All right. So the reason... Um, Some people probably wonder why we talk about attachment styles when I help people hear from trauma. And the reason is, is because your attachment style is created by your, um, the attachment that you had from your caregivers within the first 18 months of your life. I think it's actually a lot sooner, um, it, like it's less time. I don't think it's 18 months. I think it's actually a lot, like it's probably like two to six months of age 
that's just based on all the research and books I've read. Um, and that's my belief. But so far, all a lot of the literature says 18 months. So we're going to go with that. I think differently. And what happens is if you aren't cared for by, a, by, um, by someone who is a secure, attached parent, if they're not very emotionally healthy, um, it can affect you as a baby um, and then as an adult, okay? So let's get into it. I'm gonna describe all four attachment styles. So attachment styles um, are the way that you feel like you can relate to other people in relationships. This is romantic relationships, this is friendships, this is career, like colleagues, clients, friends and family, um, and even your relationship with money, if you will believe that. Because um, it's a, a money is actually a relationship, it's not just like this thing. You actually ha can have a relationship, a good relationship or bad relationship with money. So I really believe that your attachment style can affect every part of your life, especially your financial wealth. So what happens is um, there's two types of trauma. There are events that affect you, significant events, right? Like, you know, a diagnosis of a health condition, witnessing a murder, um, being in a car accident, having um, um, really traumatic childbirth, being raped, witnessing a murder. Did I already say that? I think I did. Um, infidelity, bullying, physical abuse, sexual abuse, incest. The list goes on and on. So many things that can happen that create trauma to, um, I'm sorry, put you in a survival state. And then because you didn't express it fully, because you were maybe young or just didn't know what to do at the time, that survival state stays in your, in your nervous system and now affects how you live moving forward. Um, you probably have um, a lot of fear, anxiety, worry, stress, anger, depression, all the things. So that's one way of being traumatized. The other way is a disconnection of attachment from a caregiver. That's why we talk about attachment styles in healing trauma. This is one of the main things that I help my clients learn is secure attachment. It is actually something that is a skill. You can actually unlearn your insecure attachment and become securely attached and have a healthier relationships. So it's amazing and a great coach or therapist will help you learn these things. So here's what happens when you're a, a young child. And I've talked about this a little bit in some of my lives, um, but this, this actual live, I'm gonna go deep, deep, deep into describe all four attachment styles. And then you, based on that, you can kind of, if you're honest with yourself, you can kind of um, make the admission and, and say, hey, I think I'm you know, disorganized, avoidant, secure, anxious and and then you can go from there so hold on I want to make sure see there's no questions so far okay there aren't perfect so what happens is when you're born you're born with an attachment system I like to call it like a magnet <laughs> and if you think about it you are born a baby and unable to take care of yourself so you are designed with this attachment system so that you can connect with your parent your caregiver and they can take care of you and feed you and change you and bathe you and take care of you and raise you and all the great things. Some of us um, are blessed beyond measure and we ha are born into families with really secure and emotionally and mentally healthy parents and we learn secure attachment. We are provided for when we cry. We're coddled and picked up and hugged when we are fearful or, 
are hungry or sleepy. Um, we're fed when we need to. We, um, our parents leave and then they come back when they say they're gonna come back. They're really consistent, they're present, love is given, there's a lot of nurturing. And um, babies, when you're a child, you don't know how to regulate your emotions. You don't know how to manage your emotions. All you know how to do is express yourself by crying so that someone can feed you or change you or bathe you or put you to sleep or whatever, right? Warm, cover you when you're cold, things like that, any need you have. And what happens is you cry, a parent or caregiver comes to you, um, you learn that by crying, You um, that's like expressing yourself, and then a parent or caregiver takes care of you, meets that need, you calm down, and you're like, oh, okay, so it's like it's a pattern that your your attachment, um, that your magnet kind of learns, um, and your body and your nervous system and, and your subconscious mind learns that when I need something, I express that need and my caregiver takes care of me. Um, and this is called secure attachment. What also happens when you're when you have a really secure parent, uh, I'm sorry, secure caregiver. I don't. I never want to say parent, guys, because remember, some people don't um, aren't born into. Um, a family where they have their parents. Some parents are being, and some children are taken care of by their amazing grandparents or aunts and uncles or foster parents or adopted parents, things like that, right? So it's very, very important to, um, I'm trauma-informed, so I, I know these things. And so you never want to like, someone can feel bad if we're saying like your parents and they're like, both of my parents died when I was very born, when I was young, so I don't even know them, right? So I always say caregivers. Um, what also happens is, when you cry as a child and you're coddled and taken care of, you learn that your parents will help you calm yourself down. Like just the nurture and the feeling of them, right? The closeness, the, the touch, the, the gaze, the playing, the happiness, the smile, the feeling of your parents or your caregiver, I should say, will automatically regulate you, calm you down, bring you back to a state of calm. And you learn by way of your caregiver co-regulation, you learn that you can regulate with someone and you also learn how to do it yourself by by them being really consistent and being there for you when you need when you need them, okay? Does that make sense? So you learn self-regulation, you learn how to manage your emotions, you learn that when you ask for something, when you express yourself and need something, you ask and express yourself and they and your parents will your caregivers will provide it. You learn that um, when a parent or caregiver walks away and leaves that and when they say, I'm going to come back, they're consistent and they return and, and return when they say they're going to come back. So you learn so many things when you have a caregiver that is emotionally available and um, uh, mentally healthy and physically uh, there for you. Okay, You learn self-regulation, co-regulation, and um, your connection system connects. So basically, remember, you're born with a magnet, and your, and your parents have, or caregivers have magnets too, and they have their attachment system, and most caregivers, when a baby's born, they have an innate desire to take care of their child, right? And they will connect to their child. And so your magnet says, when I need my, my caregiver, it's, it's met and they connect and it feels good and you you soothe yourself and you know you get soothed and you regulate your emotions and all is amazing. This is having secure attachment. This is what secure attachment will teach you. You learn this as a child. This carries on into your adolescence, your childhood, your adolescence, your adulthood, and then your relationships. You, if your parents are still consistent with this your entire um, 
upbringing, you will learn that when I, it's, it's, it's good for me to express my needs and I, they will be listened to and people will provide what I need. You learn that people will, when they leave, they will come back. You, you learn to trust, you learn to feel very secure when you're by yourself because you know that your parents are going to come back when they say they're going to. It's okay to be alone. So you learn a lot of things. Think about all those things, right? As an adult, all those skills are very necessary in relationships. So these, these are like super, super powers to learn um, relationship-wise, okay? So that's secure attachment. If you had parents like this or caregivers like this, you're blessed to, you're like, you just have the best of all attachment styles, okay? Um, I think I heard that it's like 20% or 30% of people have secure attachment. It's not that many people. Um, I'm going to look that up and come back to you guys with that. I'll put it in the comments of this because I'm going to save this live. So that's secure attachment. Here's what can affect a caregiver not being able to do to connect to you when you are a child. If a, if a mother, say, has postpartum depression and she has her own shit, right? She's depressed, she's not mentally or emotionally available, she won't be able to connect to her child, which will affect the child. If she's ill immediately after birth, you know, and she's like, let's say she got sick or something happened, if she's sick, it's going to be hard for her to connect securely to her child. If she, your father and mother or one of the two, whoever's like giving you a lot of um, the care, has unhealed trauma and they are, their field of fear and trauma resonates, to, it's literally felt to a child. If you have a parent who has a lot of unhealed trauma, inability to connect. So mind you, these are things that aren't, you can't do anything about, right? You're born into the family that you're born into. We don't know if our parents have unhealed or healed trauma. We don't know if they, you know, had postpartum depression. A lot of us Latinos, um, parents didn't talk about our, our generation of parents. I'm 41. So like my, you know, our, my parents were from the baby, were baby boomers. They didn't talk about like, oh, tengo postpartum depression, what is on, you know, whatever. Like they just were like, you buckle down and you take care of your kid. But a child can sense it when the mother is unable to connect. It's literally palpable. It's felt. It's an energy field. And it will be really noticeable to a child when a mother can't connect. And the mother won't even have the desire. Think about if some of you or if you know someone who's suffered from um, postpartum depression, they do not have the capacity to give to anybody else because they're drowning in their own stuff, right? And this is something that happens to a lot of women, unfortunately, and it can cause a child, their child to now have an insecure attachment, okay? So these are factors that affect the child, um, what type of caregiver you have, right? Like if they're ill, if they have postpartum depression, if they're traumatized themselves emotionally and mentally, um, and they have unhealed trauma, it will affect their ability to connect to their child. Um, I always talk about the fact that our my like I'm Mexican. My parent I'm first generation. My parents came here as immigrants to to the U.S. And a lot of I believe that a lot of our parents who were immigrants who came here were in a huge in a really really big survival state. Like imagine living in a country where you're an illegal alien and you're trying to work. You're trying to find a job. You're trying to not get arrested. You're trying to like it, it's true survival state. It's like, and, and people, I believe um, um, black people who were subjected to racism, total, total trauma, 
generational trauma. It is so real. The effects of racism are so real on, on a black person's nervous system. It is, ugh. If you guys haven't seen the show Them on Amazon Prime Video, watch it, watch it, watch it. It will change your life and it will change your opinion about African-Americans and trauma and how it affects them living in this world. It is a true trauma. All right, I'll get off of that. But it affects, it will affect how they connect to their children, okay? So that's secure attachment. Holy grail of attachment styles. So secure attachment is the first one. The, um, the other three are avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. So I'm gonna go down the line. So avoidant is um, an attachment style that a child will um, inherit or create in their body, in their life. All right, we're back. The thing paused a little bit because it was a bad connection. I have the worst Wi-Fi in this freaking house. I love my house, but it has fucked up Wi-Fi. Always disconnects. Whenever I'm like, well, not really, it's getting better actually, or maybe I'm just noticing that it's better. My Zoom calls used to disconnect all the time with my coaching clients, and I'm like, um, for some reason, it's been good lately. Um, anyway, but I digress. So, um, so let's talk about avoidant. So, avoidant is what ha is the is another is one of the three insecure attachments styles that is created when you have a caregiver who, because of one of their because of their trauma, because of their illness, because of whatever it is is going on with them, they aren't consistent and they're not there to connect with their child. They're either i would say either they're um some some caregivers work a lot some caregivers um are have their own trauma and when they just do the basics for a child like they'll just like change diapers and give them food and then they just leave them in the crib and don't really take care of them because they don't they don't feel connected to the child and they can't because of their own trauma let's say they um their attachment system the remember the baby's attachments magnet is trying to connect to the parent but because the parent isn't there and or doesn't nurture them and connect with them in the way that they need to what happens is the attachment system almost like turns off and it goes inward and it doesn't it never connects it never touches and so it goes inward and focuses on themselves and says the world is unsafe no one will take care of me i need to just take care of myself and they create avoidant attachment which basically looks like people who i'll explain how it could look like in a relationship someone who doesn't ever want to commit long term doesn't when they do get close to someone and they find themselves maybe do are getting close in a relationship they freaking they self-sabotage and they break it off because closeness and love they don't really understand it they don't know how to give it they don't know how to express it because remember it wasn't modeled for them it wasn't given to them they don't even they don't know it and they don't understand it and it feels very odd and scary so they're almost always um in a survival response i always i call it like the, they're pushing the brake they're always pushing the brake to like back up and say oh i don't know what this is this feels scary so they become avoidant and they don't want commitment they just are maybe really like um What's the word? Um, what's the opposite of monogamous? Like they're hoes. I can't remember the word. <laughs> Someone help me out and put, put it in the in the comment. Um, I can't think of the word. Like, oh my god, I, it lost me. But they're the opposite of monogamous. They don't commit because commitment feels scary and fearful, and they don't know what it what it, what can happen to them. Because remember, they never it was never modeled to them. Um, this can happen when an, a, a caregiver 
if they worked a lot and they were just um, a little man hell. <laughs> Aurelia, you're so cute. Promiscuous. There you go. I think that I think that's the word. Yeah, promiscuous. Yeah. Thanks, Emily. I, little total brain fart. I totally I totally had a brain fart. Um, so they um, what was I saying? Um, oh, they had a caregiver who just was very task oriented and would just gave them the basics. Like they were like, I'm going to put a roof over your head. I'm going to take you to school when you're sick. I'm going to take you to the doctor. I'm going to, um, give you food and clothes and that's basic. That's enough. And they don't really connect on an emotional level. This is a disconnection of attachment for a child. It is traumatic and it will create avoidant behavior and it will fuck up your relationships. Okay. I'm sure can everybody attest to knowing one person who has, maybe you're probably thinking about it like, oh, either you have an avoidant attachment or you know someone who probably this applies to, yeah? Um, it's a defense mechanism. It's to protect themselves. They consider getting close to someone as fearful, as a threat, as them dying. So they just don't connect. A lot of immigrants, and I don't want to say any specific nationalities, but I know of a lot of nationalities that are very cold and task oriented and don't focus on emotional closeness. This can cause avoidant um, attachment styles because you don't get the love and nurturing that you need. Does that make sense? A lot of us Latinos are like that. A lot of our parents were just like, la comida and you know like the, like it was to each their own like it what we didn't like a lot of people didn't hug and kiss and say I love you and do all those things it's like tienes la ropa you have your clothes you have school you're fine like that's all you need because to them they didn't even have that that was like a luxury and so they believe I and I do believe this is like a genuine like like it's done out of intention and, and care they think that because they provide like the basics that they didn't have as children, maybe they had a lot of poverty and didn't have clothes, didn't have food, didn't have the basics. Because they provide that to their children, that's enough. Because listen, you have more than we had. But it really isn't. You, we do need to connect with our parents on an emotional level. And then we need to learn how to regulate ourselves emotionally. And if we don't have that from our parents, we become completely dysregulated, don't learn the skill, and then become avoidant. So that's, avo that's the second attachment style, avoidant. Now we're gonna move on to anxious. Anxious attachment looks like this. You're born, you have your magnet out, and you have a parent who is very inconsistent. They connect and they go away. And they connect and they go away. They connect and they go away. And you're always like, wait, I, I felt that. Like it was good, like they, they took care of me and then wait, how come they're not there? Um, they show up and feed you one day and then you don't know what you're gonna get. Imagine a child who has a parent who is a drug addict, who has a substance abuse issue, who has emotional mental health issues, who works a lot. They connect with you and then because of their own stuff, they disconnect, they're not there. Um, a parent who, or a child who like comes home and never knows what kind of parent they're gonna get. If someone is moody one day, they're asshole parent, or, and one day they're nice and they're kissing your butt and buying you stuff and they're really nice and they're apologetic about it. Or a parent who is high off their ass one day, one day and drunk another day. Like you just, there's so much inconsistency. Sometimes you get love, sometimes you don't. There's a, it's like a complete roller coaster of connection and disconnection. So what happens to the child is your magnet actually touches with the parent and it connects and it's like, oh, this feels good. And then they disconnect and you're like, oh, oh what, 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 what happened? How, I, I wanna love you, like, can you please love me back? 
And because, again, because of their parents' own trauma, all their shit, they don't, they're not consistent with it. And so it creates the magnet, what it's, what instead of like how avoidant, it turns inward. Got stupid. Um, whereas um, um, avoidant attachment, the magnet turns in because it didn't ever connect. Anxious is always facing outward and trying to trying to connect again because it felt it and it was good and it, it really liked it and it's always facing outward. Um, this is the personality style that it creates in, in an adult. It creates someone who is always outwardly focused and finding love. They don't feel love themselves unless someone is loving them. So they're always ex looking for it externally. They don't like being alone and single. They break up with one person and are back at it with someone else very quickly. And they probably pick the same type of dysfunctional relationship all, all the time. Um, they will come off as needy, jealous, controlling, um, insecure, because they weigh their self-worth on their ability to be loved by someone else. So if someone's if they're with someone, they feel good and they're like, okay, good. But even when they're with someone, or once it connects, they're like, oh my God, they're gonna leave. So they're almost like, people pleasing they're doing things to try to keep the relationship they probably buy someone a lot of shit they will overextend themselves to try to prove their love to someone and then it almost comes off as like like calm down like you're over like like over the top but because they don't want to lose that relationship because remember they only feel good when they're affirmed externally from from the outside source so they lose a sense of self and they almost like don't even really know themselves. They only weigh their value on when someone else loves them. Does that make sense? So they call it anxious. So that one I would call um, like you're always pushing on the gas. Whereas avoidant, you're pushing on the brake. You're like trying to protect yourself and not wanting to get hurt because you don't even really know what love feels like and you think, fuck, I, no one's going to be there. Anxious is pushing on the gas and saying, come, someone come love me. Like I, I need to find someone. And it can create a lot of dysfunction in relationships because you're always insecure. You're trying to control the other person. You're needy. You are trying to, um, you, wanna, you want them to show your, their location and always text you and tell you where they're at. And um, a lot of times it's because you had a parent or a caregiver that didn't connect um, or was just super, super inconsistent and really um, you just didn't, never knew what you were going to get. Okay. So that's the anxious attachment style. The last one is disorganized attachment style. And this one, I believe, is probably the one that's like the most, I say painful, but just like difficult to deal with. And I will tell you, I was disorganized, but I learned secure attachment. Like I said, it's a, it's a skill to learn. It's a lot of work. It's consistent work. I have to practice it every fucking day because disorganized attachment is a bitch. So disorganized attachment is basically avoidant and anxious combined. It's like pushing on the gas and pushing on the brake at the same time. You want to connect because you didn't really get love from your caregiver, right? It didn't connect, so you're, you're looking for it. But then, so you're pressing on, pressing on, um, so you're like, you're pressing on the gas, you're anxious, right? But then when you do get love, any sign that it's like, it could hurt you, you run the other way and you break up with people and you're like, fuck this, for, I'm ending the relationship. And you're super inconsistent because you're not good when you're with someone because it's like it's scary bad things can happen and at the same time when you let's say you do break up with them because you're like fuck that I don't want to get hurt like they gave you one little small sign that they maybe you think it could mean that they're like cheating or something 
And because you're so scared of that, of being hurt, you break up with them. And then when you break up with them, you're by yourself. And when you're by yourself, you're like, oh my God, no, I'm going to die. I need to connect with someone. And you press on the gas and you go to connect. And so you have this fucking back and forth, back and forth, super inconsistency of pressing on the gas and pressing on the brake. This is formed when you had caregivers who were inconsistent themselves or they were, they, um, they were fearful. They were scary. So think about when you're a child and you're trying to connect to your parents, but, and you go to them when you're scared, right? You want love and you want security and you want, you want to feel better. And, but the, when you go to them, they're actually the source of a lot of your fear. They're like abusive. They're mean. They're, you, they're like, um, yeah, I would say abusive verbally, mentally, physically in every, in any way. So it's when you have a caregiver that gave you some, some type of, um, love, but there's a more oftentimes than not, it's a very fearful relationship. Your caregiver is actually the source of a lot of your fear and a lot of your pain. And so that's where it's like, you, that's where that, that disorganized attachment falls into because you want to connect with your caregiver because you know, biologically, like, this is my mom, this is my dad, like this or aunt, uncle, whatever. They're supposed to connect with me. Right. I love them. But yet when you go, get there and there's, there's, it's scary. And so you back up. So it's the gas and the brake and it's very, very painful. I, oh my God, when I think back, like my twenties were like, I was a hot mess. Like I would always do this when I was in a relationship. Like I would meet a guy and he was great. And then I would find any reason to break up with him because I got scared. I would feel really like threatened and, and like vulnerable and not in control. So I would, I would meet someone and break up with them and then I'd be alone. And then I'd go want to be in a relationship. I was so all over the place in my twenties. It was a hot mess. Now I know why I was disorganized. So those are the four attachment styles, secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. They're, they're called really different names. I've heard anxious um, be called ambivalent and something else. Um, I've heard avoidant be called, like given a different name. And then there's even like derivatives of them. Like they're kind of blended. There's like anxious, avoidant, um, whatever. Like there's just different combinations of them. I'm not going to go into all those. I just, I'm explaining the main four and how they look and disorganized, I think is, um, it's a combination of anxious and attachment. And that one's like a clear, I've seen that consistently with a lot of my clients. So this is how a disconnection from your caregivers can really traumatize you by not learning, by being dysregulated. Because here's what happens guys, when you don't connect to your caregiver, you don't learn emotional regulation. You don't learn how to manage your emotions and you don't learn how to connect with people. Trauma creates dysregulation in the nervous system and it creates disconnection from people. And um, this is another form of trauma. This is probably one of the main things that I help that I treat, help my clients um, heal from is the disconnection from, from, from your caregivers, from your attachment. And it's a very, very, very real um, effect of trauma and it plays out in our relationships. And this is why people, if you've heard people say this, like, um, your relationships are a mirror. It's because they will, it will make it really clear how, what kind of, of attachment style you have when you're in a relationship. You'll see if you're really secure when your boyfriend goes out to dinner with his friends and buddies and doesn't text you all night. And if, if you're all fucking scared and always texting and checking their location and wanting to see what they're doing and freaking out, you know, it, it you'll get really, you'll understand which attachment style you have. And, um, 
so these are the four attachment styles. Um, what's great about this, these attachment styles, um, the three insecure ones, is that you can learn secure attachment. This is one of the main things that I help my clients with. Um, the, we focus on five main things and the two main tools um, that we focus on the entire 12 weeks is learning secure attachment and learning emotional regulation because it is a skill. It's not something that that you're born knowing how to do. If you're If you've been anxious your entire life, and you're always codependent and you're always wanting to be with other people because you don't value, you don't know how to love yourself and be by yourself and you feel abandoned and rejected and scared when you're by yourself. Um, think about how that affects your relationships. Think about how you come off in a relationship. Think about how um, it affects your partner when you're like really anxious. And what's what's hard is that it's not something that you can actually like you don't really have control over because what happens is your survival responses get activated when if you have anxious attachment when a partner goes away you will get a neuroception of threat you will get put into either the yellow sympathetic fight or flight state or the shut down depressed disconnected state and you'll act accordingly some people fight because they're in survival mode and they argue with their spouse and you know they break up with them right they fly or they run away or they totally shut down and get depressed and, and disconnect and break up all the time. So there's so many ways that our attachment style will show up in our relationships. Um, I think it's really interesting how it shows up with our money. Because I believe that the way you are with your in your relationships is the way you probably handle money. If you have a secure relationship with money, think about it. You will easily spend it and you can easily receive you easily give, you'll easily receive. Um, you won't be worried about spending money because you have a belief that like it's going to come back to you. Um, you will never feel like it's not enough. You'll feel like I have money, it's enough. Um, I have enough money, I have enough love, right? And it's okay if it comes and goes, you know how to manage it well. If you're secure, typically if you're secure attached with your relationships and your attachment style, you typically have a secure attachment with money. I'm saying typical because... You never know how that works out. Um, if you had a lot of poverty when you were younger, then that can affect your finances. But um, if you had a decent amount of income growing up, had had what you needed, and you had secure attachment, you probably have a healthy relationship with money. So um, it can really, really affect your money. Um, let me see. I see that there's a question. Can you have anxious attachment style with an overprotective parent? That's an interesting, okay, can you have an anxious attachment style because of an overprotective parent? So an overprotective parent was one who was like hovering. So like, let's say they're like over, yes, I think it can create um, um, a semblance of um, anxiety or anxiousness in um, in a person because what it what their actions prove to you or what the, what they model for you is, a worried, frantic kind of um, behavior. And then it's, then you, what I call, I call it like a legacy burden. Like then now you believe those things that like, that it's that you have to like worry all the time or have it, you know, and um, stay, come home early and don't do anything bad or whatever. So yeah, I do think that um, an overprotective parent can really create an anxious attachment for sure. For sure. Great question. 
Um, what else do I want to say about this? Oh, so yeah. So this is one of um, the main things that I help my clients learn is secure attachment. It's, you can learn it. You can unlearn the insecure attachment of avoidance, disorganized, or anxious. And you can learn secure attachment. It's amazing. Um, you just, because think about it. Your attachment system is always there. That magnet is always there. It's either turned inward, really turned outward, or it's like fucking both, right? In and out, in and out. And it's always there. We are biologically born to connect with people. We are born to um, attach to our caregivers and get love. And they're supposed to model for us the happy, secure way of being. And um, um, if we don't, then we're the example of it. Um, so if you... Because your because your attachment style is always there, your attachment system is always there trying to connect. You can just teach it the healthy way of being, and there's ways to do it. And if you're interested in learning secure attachment, if the things that I went over, if I if I um, when I explained the three attachment styles, and you're like, oh my god, I'm totally avoidant, or I'm super anxious, or I'm disorganized, that's me and you're tired of the effects that it's creating in your life and you want to learn secure attachment, send me a DM and let me know um, and we can start working together um, because it is a skill and there's ways and really specific methods and things that you have to do in order to, to learn that attachment style. So it's something I do work with my clients in my one-on-one group coaching program called Trauma to Triumph. If you're listening to this in the future, if you're interested in working with me, definitely send me a DM or book a clarity call so that we can talk and um, and see if we're a good fit to work together. Um, I'm glad you guys find this informative. I'm looking at the questions real quick. Yes, my mom was extremely overprotective with me and now I carry that onto my kids. Obviously, it's not the worst thing, but I do feel a crazy ton of anxiety worrying over my kids the way my mom did. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it's really learned behavior. Um, we soak up everything that our parents do for the first seven years of our life. We're like walking hypnotic. We're like walking in a hypnotic state. We're in a theta state the first seven years of our life. We're sponges. So everything that we see our parents do, say, and and um, believe and think and whatever, their actions and, and also how they how they think and how they treat us, it's learned. We'll learn it from them. I'm sure some of you guys say like you hate the way your mom yells or the way your dad yells, but then you find yourself when you get angry, you probably yell just like them because it's learned. It's a habit. It's written in your subconscious mind and your subconscious mind is the program, the software program to your life. It, it creates all your, it holds all your emotions, memories, thoughts, beliefs, and um, behaviors. And so if, if during those first seven years you were subjected to whatever you were subjected to, that'll be the software program that runs all your, your whole entire life because only 5% of our day is ran by our conscious brain. The rest is all our subconscious mind. So you need to know what's in your subconscious mind so you can know what the fuck is going on in there and um, how it's creating your life that you have. I always say your external life is uh, like prime um, proof of what's going on internally in your nervous system, your subconscious mind, and your mind. If if someone shows me their life, I'll show them exactly, I, can, I know exactly the way they think. If they're have in great physical shape, if they have healthy, really secure relationships, if they manage their money well, if they have a 
great physique, if they have a healthy career, if um, that means they have really healthy and, and constructive thoughts most of the time. Sometimes people create a, a good life, but out of sheer resistance or out of like I call um, revenge success because they have some unhealed trauma, maybe bullying or something that made them feel less than. And so the way that they f they'll feel like they can get love or um, affirmation for themselves is by being really successful. Sometimes a, a successful life isn't built on a lot of security and healing. It was It's a trauma response. Um, I call it revenge success. And I've seen it in a lot of people. Um, people will have a, out externally looking really successful, but you know, inside the shit's all fucked up. Um, so it's it's super, super important to know what's going on in your subconscious mind and in your nervous system, what what happened to you as a child. Um, I don't know if you guys have read that new book by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah called What Happened to You. Ooh, I highly recommend it. If somebody can write it in the comments and I'll pin it. Um, it's called What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah. And it's about how what happened to you in your childhood, trauma, um, or a disconnection from attachment affects who you are is as an adult. And it's so important to not say what's wrong with you, but just what happened to you. Because what happened to you affects so much of who you are as an adult, what you are able or not able to do. So it's super, super important to, and if you're, listen, if you're an adult watching this and you have children or you are thinking about having children and you think you are living with the effects of unhealed trauma or emotional wounds, it's so important to heal your stuff, guys, so that we don't re-traumatize our kids. Because our actions, our trauma plays out as adults. Um, we are, your trauma is always playing out in your beliefs about yourself, your emotions that you're always having, the thoughts and stories you have about the world, and then the behaviors that you do or don't do. And if you're, if you're living with the effects of healed, unhealed trauma, your life is going to show it and your behavior is going to show it and the way you think and believe is going to show it. And then we bleed that on to our children. So, um, it's so important to, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Cause listen, I have three children and I didn't heal my trauma up until, you know, recent past years. And so I always say like, I know that I fucked up my 20 year old daughter because I used to always leave her when I was in my twenties and go party and be a crazy bitch. And so we always joked or, we know we joke about how like I gave her abandonment issues. I gave her anxious attachment. She knows it. We've talked about it. We're like working on her healing because it's, I didn't know I was a 20, I was a 20 year old mom. I didn't, I, was I there and I took care of her? Yeah. But then when I turned 23, I became a single mom and I was out doing my thing and I was a crazy bitch. Um, and although I was there for her task oriented, I wasn't consistent. And so, um, I believe she felt the love and then I would go away. And so I fucked her up. And look, no parent ever wants to intentionally fuck their kids up. No one tries to do it, but we aren't knowing. There's so much information out there now, guys, that like we, there's like, I really don't think that there's like, this is an excuse for us to be walking around traumatized and fucking up every, everything that we come in contact with. Like there are tools. There is so much information out there. We really, really can help heal ourselves. We can help and create really stable and successful and securely attached children. I want nothing more than my daughters to be very comfortable in their own skin, be able to accept love, be able to give love easily, not be fearful, not be scared. Um, and so, and it begins with me. 
and their dad and how we are in front of them and what we express to them and what kind of love we show them. And if you don't have the capacity to give to your child in an emotional way, in a mentally healthy way, or you're dealing with you know, physical illness or postpartum depression or a lot of anxiety, it's so fair, but it's important for us to heal ourselves so that we don't pass on this generational trauma to our children. I, it's my life's mission to help everyone heal from trauma and so they can be the product of, of healing and then other people will heal in return. Um, and, or they just create really healthy, successful, and when I say successful, I just mean securely attached children, okay? So do you guys have any more questions? Do you guys have any questions about this? Um, if you're interested in working with me, I would love to um, have you as my um, coaching client. Send me a DM or click the link in my bio that says book a clarity call so we could talk, okay? Um, please let me know if you guys have any more questions. If you don't, I'm gonna log off and I'll save this um, in my profile. But I'd love to answer any questions if you have any. Um, whether it's about um, any of the attachment styles, um, if you want any clarity on them. I think I described them really well. Um, if you want to learn more about attachment styles, I recommend um, Diane Poole-Heller. She's an amazing therapist who I've taken an attachment style um, uh, course program with her and she, I learned everything from her. She's amazing. And um, it's polyvagal informed, trauma informed. It's so good. She's, she's amazing. So if you guys want to read, I forget her books. I think it's called Healing Attachment Wounds. I think that's the name of the book. But her name is Diane Poole Heller. She's an amazing therapist that offers a great explanation of attachment styles. So um, um, someone said they read it. I think they read What Happened to You. Um, so I hope you guys, okay, so I don't see any questions coming in. So I hope this was helpful. Um, Mary Ellie Beauty said, help heal ourselves so we don't pass it on to our children. Yes, definitely. It starts with us. Um, I have a lot of parents that tell me that they want to, they're like, do you work with teenagers? Do you work with the kids? And, and listen, I never have. Um, um, and I, I understand a parent's concern with wanting their children to heal. Um, but I, always recommend um, that someone's healing needs to come from, from themselves. They have to understand that why they're feeling the way they feel and how it's probably because of their trauma. And I only work with people who are high-functioning adults who realize there's something off in their life and understand based on, on consuming a lot of my content that they realize like, yeah, it has to do with my trauma and I want to heal. Um, but when a parent comes to me, I say, you know how you can heal your child? Um, help heal them is you healing your trauma and you being the example of what's possible when you heal your trauma and then you're going to come from a very regulated place and you're going to help your child get regulated a dysregulated parent cannot regulate a dysregulated child that is a post that i'm posting tomorrow i literally have it in my my queue to post it's impossible if you're unhealed you can't help heal your child because you don't know the tools you could probably help a little bit, but you're you're not well equipped. You don't have the regulated or the ability to regulate yourself in order to deal with a dysregulated person. You will get triggered yourself and then everybody will just be fucking dysregulated together and not managing their emotions well. So if you have a child that you notice is probably dealing with or starting to have the effects of unhealed trauma, um, if I highly recommend that you as a parent heal yourself 
and work on all your stuff and then you will be so well and highly equipped to help your child or help anyone else because you're now the example of what's possible, the proof of healing and people notice it. Believe me, I have clients that tell me that people ask them like, did you get a new haircut or do you have a new cologne on or perfume? Like what's different about you? And Listen, when you heal your trauma, you take all those big black pieces of shit that was in your system, all that, all those survival responses and states, and you move them out, and then you learn all the great tools of secure attachment and emotional regulation. You, your energy, your aura, everything changes. You are so different, like so, so different, and people will notice it. And you, more importantly, you notice it. You feel the effects of it. You're the one who gets to reap the benefits of being healed and having a healthy great working engine, like I always say, and you have all the gas in the tank, all the knowledge that you have, the skills of secure attachment and um, emotional regulation, and you're just, you have all the superpowers, and you can help your children and your family that way. I have, I worked with a client who then referred me his wife, and then I worked with a wife who then referred me her husband. I have a client who I was working with who referred me his best friend because they all saw the changes in them and they were like, whoa, what the fuck happened? You are good and you used to be fucked up. I want that. Give me her number. So much of my my business is referral-based because people see the effects of healed trauma and they want it. When they see what can happen to you and how it can change your life, I am the prime example of healed trauma. I couldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to help anybody if I was dysregulated and I was all fucked up and getting triggered by their triggers and we'd be a hot mess together. I would I didn't ha- I wouldn't be able to have the tools or understand where they're coming from and why they're getting triggered. I understand it like so well because I dealt with the fucked up effects of trauma for over 35 years. It was painful. And now I know what's on the other side of it and thank you Jesus, like could never go back. So it's important to work with someone um, who has actually healed from trauma. Not just that does it, not just that thinks that they could teach it to someone that has healed themselves, knows all the tools, and is an example of what's possible, okay? Um, you're welcome, guys. You're welcome. Romero, Mabel said the book Attached. Yeah, that's that's another book. Attached is good, but I think Healing Attachment Wounds by Diane Poheller is like so much better. But it is a good book. Um, Mary Ellie Beauty. Yeah, I hope to work with you too. How do you know when you are healed? You know when you are healed or when you're healing. When three things. When you're, what used to trigger you before. Um, when you have um, the duration, frequency, and intensity of your emotional triggers is less. So, um before, let's say you used to go into full on panic attacks when you would get triggered or when you would go into a survival state or something would happen. Um, now it's lessened, like the intensity is lessened. So maybe now you just go, you have a little bit of anxiety, okay, instead of panic attacks. The duration of your, um, of your, of your survival, of your, I'm sorry, um, of your emotional states is not as frequent, okay? Maybe it used to happen every day. Now it happens once every two weeks, okay? Every When you notice it's like getting less, you're healing. Um, and let's say the panic attack used to last five hours and now the anxiety lasts 10 minutes, you're healing. So it, that's, how, that's how I always classify what healing looks like. 
if you're not, if you're able to manage your emotions more. And also the other way of knowing that you're healing. So those are like, those things are lessened, right? The intensity, duration, and frequency of your heightened emotional states are lessened. And then what goes up is you have more good, um, pleasant emotions there. You have them more frequently and you're in them more often. So let's say now you're experiencing more joy, more contentment, more just neutrality, more peace, more happiness, more playfulness, more just higher quality, pleasant emotions, right? Those happen more often, they last longer, and um, the, the intensity is stronger, like feel good all the time. So that's, that's how I determine, that's my definition of what healing looks like. Um, I would say too, your, like your attachment style is, is shifted. If you were avoidant, now you're more, you're more secure. That's a definite way of knowing that you're healing. Um, and listen, it's, it's healing can happen instantly, like by processing your trauma with like a psyche balance. Like that's the modality that I teach. Um, and it can also, um, take a while. There's certain, I believe attachment styles take longer. You need to have corrective experiences. Um, if you work with me, I'll explain what that is, but you need to do more of the thing that but scares the fuck out of you. So if you're scared to be in a, a relationships because you're avoidant, guess what's going to heal you getting in relationships and regulating through it. Even though you're fucking scared, you stay in the relationship. Hold on. I need to charge my phone because it's going to die. And I don't even know if I have a charger here. No, I don't. Um, my phone is probably going to die in a couple minutes, guys. So I probably need to log off. So, um, that's how you know you're healing is intensity, frequency, and duration of the, of the unpleasant emotions are lessened and the intensity, frequency, and duration of pleasant and helpful emotions are, are heightened and more often. Um, and, and then too, with attachment styles, you're, you don't have insecure attachment. You're moving more into secure attachment. That's what I define as healing. So guys, I hope this was helpful. All right, guys. So that was the attachment styles uh, recording from my IG live. I hope it was informative. I hope it helped you understand yourself a little bit better, maybe even understand some of your friends and family or your spouse and partner, and you can kind of understand why they do what they do and how they, why they act, how they act. If this was informative and you're interested in working with me one-on-one as your coach to heal the effects of trauma on your brain and body, reach out to me and book a clarity call so we can chat. I can understand exactly where you're at. If I think we're a good fit, I will offer you an invitation to work with me. And then it's just a function of you deciding whether to say yes to yourself. So I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to chatting with you next week on the upcoming podcast episode. Have a good one.